This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. <laughs> Kristen Dunst looks so good in this scene. I do love the colors. I will say that from a costume point of view. Like, it became a costume with the fan. But yeah. other than that, I yeah, good scene. Very, very nice. Yes, <laughs> fantastic scene. Great costuming. <laughs> also. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Art of Costume Blogcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. Et je suis Spencer Williams. Bonjour, Elizabeth. Bonjour, Spencer. <laughs> that was terrible French, but <laughs> I hit up Google Translate before this. Yeah, you know what's pathetic? I took three years of French and don't remember a single thing. Oh, that's how I am with Spanish, too. Yeah. And my one French teacher that I had for two years was like French. Like from France and literally nothing. Oh, man. Yeah, I took Spanish forever. Like, I think we started first grade and went all the way to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, first grade because, you know, I live in Southern California. Mm -hmm. I believe I went all the way to junior year of high school. Maybe, maybe sophomore, at least sophomore. But I feel like I just. For so many of those years, we learned the same things over and over and over, like yeah. colors, months of the year, like simple things. Or after a while, you're like, okay, okay, I get it. Like I, I could say the days of the week, but then you wait all the way till high school, and suddenly we're like learning how to actually speak it. But by that point, I was, <laughs> I was over it. <laughs> you're like, I can't do this now. <laughs> I'm just trying to graduate, bro. <laughs> yeah, I would love to learn like other languages it's just like every time i like like get into it i'm just like english is too different from yeah <laughs> like i have a hard time finding like a bridge where i'm like yeah i can understand this and like well they have those apps now where you could just like learn a language on your phone that's i, 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 I like try that person, <laughs> 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 you can learn language on your <laughs> cellular device now i do have duolingo but it's just like uh, who has the time who yeah. has the time? You, you know and I, not time? really. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, like, gosh, I have a hard time just finding time to do what I actually want to. Yeah. I, I got behind this week because I'm like, you know what? I got home, like, I wasn't closing, but I also, like, wasn't didn't get home early from work. And I was like, oh, I should do X, Y, and Z. And I was like, No. I'm going to watch Star Trek Enterprise and play The Sims, and that is how my <laughs> evening is going. <laughs> no, I feel you. I I worked, I don't know, like 14-hour days every day for the past, like, six days. Ew. So Spencer, why? You know, I just 
I get that bag, as they say. Um, I don't know. I just hate myself. <laughs> but I'm excited to be here with you. I've been looking Same. forward to this week's episode of Hot Girl Summer. Yes. Because um, this is the most hot girl of all hot girl costume design films we could watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spencer, what did we watch this week? This week, we watched a 2000 and... Well, let me say that again. Blah, 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 blah. This week, we watched a 2000, 2006 film, Marie Antoinette. I cannot say 2006. <laughs> were you trying... You, I, I, it sounded like you were going to say 2007. I was like, Spencer, that's that's incorrect. 2000. Thousand. That's kind of a weird word, isn't it? Anyways, we watched Marie Antoinette. <laughs> As we said last week, I have never seen this film, but yet I... Hear everyone talk about all the time costume designer Melina Cannonero. It's just an iconic film, and I'm so excited for I got to watch it because I absolutely loved it, Elizabeth. I know this is like one of the best um, period films, especially for costume. So, like, what were your like first thoughts? First thoughts? Um, because it's, it's a it's different. It's definitely a different kind of film. Right. It, I was very excited about it, actually. I thought it was going to be, like, very, um, I don't know, I guess kind of, like, a, not dry, but a little bit like the Emma films, Pride and Prejudice, like, I, which mm-hmm. I know totally different time periods, but very just kind of, like, it wasn't period in the sense that this felt like a modern retelling of the story. I saw one of the summaries said that this was, like, an electric retelling of the story of Marie yeah. Antoinette, which I thought was really cool because that's how I would describe it. It was very punk and very modern. You know, the music was very fun. So I loved it. It, it was great. I loved every scene. It is, it is such a great film. And I feel like it's one of the first that kind of does that, like, oh, the music is really important, but it's like modern, more modern music. Yeah. It's, it's not appropriate to the period. Um, so it's really interesting. And why don't you start us off with a summary, Spencer? Okay. From her marriage to the French Dauphine Louis at 14 and their rise to the throne at 19, Marie Antoinette is a modern retelling of France's most iconic but ill-fated queen. And that is Marie Antoinette. If you have not seen Marie Antoinette, it is free on Hulu. Go, go watch it. Be free. It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. It's very, it's a, it's a weird er movie. It's definitely not there. Like there's no central storyline. Right. It's literally just her living her life. It was kind of like her living her life, but in like a series of art. I don't know. It just felt like yeah. an art film. Just kind of seeing her life play from like beginning to end. I felt like all the context of what's actually happening because it didn't matter. We all know how it ends. Yeah, we all know how it ends. And it's like because she she liked telling Sophia Coppola wanted to tell Marie Antoinette's story from like a sympathetic viewpoint because it's like she was literally raised to go have babies like (laughs) her, which is really strange because her mother was um Maria Theresa of Austria, powerful, intelligent woman, sat on the Austrian throne for I don't know how years, did lots of public service, like introduced vaccines, did like a lot of good work for her people. 
but was like, oh, my girls just need to like be pretty and have babies. <laughs> like, Get to work. Had, had no expectations that they should do anything she did. So she really just like was like, oh, yeah, here, you're going to be the perfect bride. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go behind the wardrobe. Let's go behind the wardrobe. We have director Sofia Coppola, costume designer, Melina Cananero. Spencer, we've heard this name before. I am so excited. We all know Cananero. We have heard her name before. She is the designer of A Clockwork Orange, Barry London, for which she received her first Oscar win, The Shining, Chariots of Fire, another Oscar win, The Cotton Club, Out of Africa, Oscar nomination, The Godfather Part 3, The Affair of the Necklace, another Oscar nomination, and a very weird movie that we should watch. (laughs) Ocean's 12, The Wolfman, Grand Budapest Hotel, another Oscar win, and The French Dispatch. And Spencer, this woman is so incredible that we didn't even mention all of her Oscar nominations. She has nine Oscar nominations with four wins. Damn. Like she doesn't she doesn't play around. She doesn't play around at all. She's one of those like iconic costume designers when, you know, just me talking to people, they're like, oh, this reminds me of like a Cannonero film. Like she's like that mm-hmm. synonymous with like just award winning, just iconic yeah, like, she has a room dedicated to all her trophies for all of her badass films she's designed. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, it sounds like Marie Antoinette was a little bit different. Um, NBC quoted her as saying about when she was first approached to do this film. Sophia gave me a box of macaroons from some company. I cannot pronounce their name. <laughs> We looked at them and the beautiful colors, and they became a guideline in a way. We didn't do everything based off them, but they were definitely an inspiration. And it's like, yes, this film is just little macaroons that you can just pop in your mouth and not worry about at all. I love that. This film was just so colorful, and it just felt like the entire inspiration was just macaroons, candy, champagne (laughs) lollipops candy land it was just all of that yeah it definitely was and uh there is a fantastic article because last year was the 15th anniversary of the film and vogue did an incredible article by keaton bell called it was like hosting the ultimate party an oral history of sophia coppola's marie antoinette and it, it's a great article. You all should read it. This article talks about the process of making it from like beginning to end. And at the time, Sophia was like a relatively new director. And she is like, you know, this needed such a h- large budget and needed like so much time and like everything needed to be perfect that she was thinking about making this film for a while but knew nobody was going to give her the money until Lost in Translation with Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray was such a success. And then she was like, I knew I'd be able to make whatever I wanted afterwards. 
And she was like, this is my chance to make Marie Antoinette. I love and that. And was just like, let's go. <laughs> um, and they got, for what at the time was like a really good budget, that $40 million, which today would be like just under $70 million. So like for like a pretty standard period piece, like a nice budget. And it shows on screen. That is not bad. No. Because it's like there's no special effects. There's like not like... There's no CGI involved. It's just beautiful cinematography, beautiful set dressing, beautiful costumes. Dare I say, this takes me back to our Dracula episode when Francis Ford Coppola said that the costumes of Dracula were the set. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the costumes were the set in this film, too. It runs in the family. so Absolutely, absolutely. And Sophia, she was like ready for this film. She talked to Vogue about her preparation for the film. She said, I made reference boards that had a lot of new romantic visuals and John Galliano's work at Dior. He designed some dresses inspired by Marie Antoinette. And I loved that mix of 18th century fashion and couture. Milena is a genius and completely understood what I was going for. She interpreted the era with such a fresh feeling and palette. Marie was into fashion, so we wanted the film to feel fashionable. And it does. Yeah. The entire thing feels like a runway show to me. It's so cool. It really is. And you know, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Juicy Gators advertising yeah in the 2000s yeah. that's exactly like <laughs> i feel like the juicy couture people looked at this and was like nice how can we make this obnoxious right <laughs> <laughs> did i ever tell you about the first time i went to a juicy couture store no i was so massively disappointed because i just saw their article their advertisement in like teen vogue i never really like looked up like what they did. I knew they did like scents and handbags, but I didn't really like look up anything else because I was like, I know I can't afford this. And then we went to a really nice mall out here and they had a juicy couture store and I went in. I was so massively disappointed because <laughs> I was expecting like beautiful clothing, not like velour tracks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I want to be Marie Antoinette. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so disappointed. Anyway... At the time, though, while we rave about it now, at the time, it did not do very well. Uh, Sofia Coppola told Vogue, I'm so happy it has an audience now because at the time it was not successful. People didn't go see it. They didn't really know what to make of it. It means a lot to me that it continues to live on. This movie made six, 60 million $917,189, which like a tiny bit more than its budget. Right. Not, not great. <laughs> not great. Not great. That's shocking and, to me. Um, I guess, you know, now we even said this last week, but now that I'm older and I could appreciate it. I mean, I just thought it was a flawless, perfect film. I really enjoyed it, but I guess I could understand why people would not have loved this at the time. Yeah. And she based it off, um, she based her script off a book, uh, Marie Antoinette, The Journey by Antonia Frazier, 
who was really looking at Marie Antoinette with a sympathetic lens because up until probably the early 2000s, people didn't really think of her that way. It was like, oh, this queen who indulged and then rightfully had her head chopped off. Like nobody thought, (laughs) nobody thought to look at like, oh, like she did what she did because that's what she was told to do. Not because she was some evil person. (laughs) Yeah, I remember going to school being like, today we're going to talk about Marie Antoinette again, that evil hag who told everyone to eat cake and she just ate macaroons all day. Yeah. And it's like, oh, wait, she didn't say that. She didn't say (laughs) that. It's like, okay, okay. (laughs) Um, So so does she not actually say that? Because it was until when I saw the movie that I was like, oh, was that not true? Oh, no, she did not say that. Damn. She didn't know. That's some it was hardcore like, rumors because <laughs> yeah. I'm still clearing it up today. <laughs> I think I think that was writ- that like line was written when she was a child, actually, and attributed nice. to someone else at the time. Uh no, she didn't say that. And like when he's like, God help us, we're too young to rule, he means it in the film. Like neither of them. Not, neither of them should be should have been ruling anybody. Right. <laughs> Rightfully so. They were like taking like they should not have been in charge. Yeah. <laughs> but they also like the downfall of the French monarch monarchy was Versailles. Cause while it kept the nobles in line, it also kept the royal family disconnected from the people. And like her husband did not know how to like hit like his grandfather and I probably great-grandfather could kind of ride that line but he just did not know he didn't understand yeah (laughs) but anyway spencer after our break are you ready to just dive into the fountains of versailles i'm so excited i have a plate of macaroons here and i'm gonna see how many (gasps) i could fit in my mouth during the break oh my gosh i should have gotten macaroons i'll send you some i regret my decisions okay (laughs) Everybody, go get some macaroons and then come back. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. What's up, costume nerds? This is Spencer, co-host and producer of the Art of Costume blogcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We greatly appreciate all the support. If you want to continue in your support, you can become a costume maven at patreon.com slash theartofcostume. There we post unheard bloopers, highlights, and bonus episodes for our costume mavens. You can even chat with other listeners and vote on future episodes. Head over to patreon.com slash theartofcostume and subscribe now. eat some cake i'm always ready to eat some cake especially if it looks like this entire film (laughs) oh my gosh i love this opening scene 
Because I feel like this is like the image of Marie Antoinette, especially at the time, like lazy, has a French maid to do everything for her. Yeah. Like just surrounded by luxury. I really like the dress she's wearing because it's like just like an insane chemise. <laughs> it, it looks it almost looks like that really like tacky like satin. Yeah. Like, it looks ridiculous, but it, I love that it kind of shows us, like, this is who you think she is. Now let's take it back, but... <laughs> I love that opening shot because, to me, this is just, like, I was already into the movie because I knew, like, oh, this is going to be an artsy film. Like, that first shot could easily be, like, a portrait somewhere. Absolutely, absolutely. And Sofia Coppola, she, like, put a lot of punk revolution into this. Uh, starting with this opening scene... It is modeled after uh, the work of fashion French photographer Guy Baudin. Uh, It is from a campaign he shot for Charles Jordan in 1977. Yeah, that's cool. I love that. And I did. I'm glad he said that because I really feel like the punk influence in this entire film um, so I'm so excited to talk about it. This is just an opening shot. Like we haven't yeah. started a movie yet. <laughs> no. And it's like this very punky, like could not care less image of her. And then it's just her as this girl leaving her home. <laughs> it, this entire like opening sequence reminded me of one of our favorite TV shows. The great also there's a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. I mean, the nobility were constantly sending off their young women to be married. Yeah, it was a different time. <laughs> it Happened was a all very the different time. time. <laughs> Happened constantly. Um, Marie, though, looks beautiful. You could tell, like, yes. Kristen Dunst, she looks so young. And you could just tell, like, this is about to be a person who's about to go on a wild adventure that she has no idea what's coming. Um, also, that pug, like, stop. So cute. Right? Oh, my. Mops. When Mops was taken from her. I was pretty upset. Oh, my gosh. I. It's like, no wonder this girl isn't happy. And I love how they kind of show, like, her excessive, like, lifestyle was like, that, that, she was retail therapy shopping. Yes. <laughs> that was her trying to cope with the fact that everybody hated her <laughs> for something she had like no part in. Like it was not her fault. <laughs> right. Um I was so stoked to see Marianne Faithful as Marie's mother. What? Yes. That is crazy. When I saw on Hulu that was for some reason the first name. I was like Marianne Faithful. What the hell is she doing in this? But it's her. It's crazy. The singer of Broken English, the Ballad of Lucy Jordan. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. She, I think, I think she, her mother was Austrian because she talks about it in that article. So she was like, yeah, I'll play Maria Teresa. <laughs> yeah. And, that's dope. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you want to know about Maria Teresa and her, because I think Marie Antoinette was her youngest of like 16 children. Mm. This woman had like a buttload of kids. Um, uh, Lindsay Holiday, History Tea Time with Lindsay Holiday, has a couple of really great series because Maria Teresa like n- didn't always do the right thing, but was an incredible female leader for her time. Right. 
have to check it out. But Maria's um, costume, we see her in, in the beginning, though, you could tell, like, she is not, you know, we're about to see the world of France. She's not from there. Like, her costume says, like, she's Austrian. Just so many different influences. The colors are much darker and more set in, like, a realistic tone, I would say. Yeah. Because everything we're about to see is so, like, hyper fantasy Mm -hmm. that Maria is like the last bit of like realism we see before we jump into this Looney Tunes of a world we're about to dive into. Yeah. She's going from, Oh, I think her original name was Maria Antonia. Yeah. So she's like, Oh, Maria Antonia, shorter name, simpler dress. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I, I, I love her, her Austrian looks because they're so childlike and I think in this film, it's hard to realize because they don't really talk about how old they are. But it's like, she's 14. Yeah. She's 14. <laughs> yeah, she's a baby. She's a baby. <laughs> and she's literally being stripped of everything she's ever known oh, man. to go marry this prince. And she comes out looking like an entirely different person. That first look, shut up, is so good. I already knew as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm going to love this film. That blue look with the hat. (gasps) To die for. Yeah. To die for. And I I feel like this is really the iconic look from this movie. And I love it because it's like, she's so like green to everything that's going on. But I feel like they've replaced blue in the, or green in this movie with blue. Yeah. Like she's just this like powdery, fresh baby who doesn't know what's going on. Right. I knew this look and I've never even seen this film, but I recognize this look from, you know, just being a human and seeing pictures of this costume f- since 2006. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And we meet the first person she meets is um Duchess Deschar, I think. I, I'll be honest, keeping track of anybody who is not Marie Antoinette in this film is very hard. Very difficult. Very difficult. But she meets this woman who's basically going to be like her guide through the French court. And I love she just has this like very stark red jacket and just like the huge skirt and she was like welcome to france (laughs) played by judy davis i love her she's brilliant um she was recently in ratchet oh really yeah she's great i mean judy davis has been in you know two million things but that's why i saw her in recently yeah yeah um yeah she was a great character i also will mention that i feel like some of these characters definitely just disappear though at some point of film yeah you'll have well, to point it out to me because i think it's once they become king and queen yeah you see a lot of characters drop off and kind of like who her friends are because mm-hmm. um who's the woman who plays moaning myrtle she's in this film what yeah i don't remember that um you can You're tell saying moaning myrtle it's not just a one-time ghost that we saw in the Harry Potter films. <laughs> she is not. Um, <laughs> but you know the two kind of like middle-aged women? Yeah. Who are kind of like around her at first? Molly Shannon and the other girl. Yeah, the the shorter one with like the funny voice. You didn't, you don't recognize that funny voice? Well, oh, now I'm looking at it. Yeah, you're so right. That is her Shirley yeah. Henderson. Shirley Henderson, yeah. 
<laughs> no, I was distracted because that was Molly Shannon in a period film. Like that was very distracting to yeah. me. In a good like I love her to death, a superstar yeah, yeah, yeah. forever. But I was like, is that Molly Shannon? What are you doing here? <laughs> good stuff. Oh, such a such a good stuff. Um I love this undressing scene, which is just so awkward and cringy compared to all of our dressing scenes. But I, uh, <laughs> I still love it, though. You know, I just love any sort of period dressing, undressing, yeah. even if it's like uncomfortable for the characters. I'm like, I just love this process. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, also very awkward and cringy. Their wedding. Oh, awkward. Like, like I said, awkward and cringy for them. But for me, just so full of joy. <laughs> These costumes were so 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 beautiful. beautiful those large paniers and do you know oh ridiculous huge ridiculous do you know what's called um those like drapes on the back of the dress is there a specific name for it there is and i am blanking on it because i was actually thinking about it the other day and i was like oh that's so beautiful and i don't remember so cool i'm sure there's a historical costume fellow nerd listening to us who's getting ready to scream who's already screaming yeah, he's already screaming. Uh, <laughs> Look, Elizabeth and I have not had our coffee today. We're really going for it. No. <laughs> I made the mistake of just drinking a chai when I got home. I should have actually had coffee. Um, but yeah, it's this beautiful dress. And it is inspired by like her wedding gown. Well, I don't think any of Marie Antoinette's clothes survived, even though she wore something new. She never wore the same thing twice. And she doesn't in this movie either. Which I'm just like, financially, how and why? But um, I love they have like, it's very clearly there's this engraving of them on their wedding day. And then there's just this famous portrait of her, which I, I kind I don't think it's her wedding gown, but it's it's giving me like the vibes of what um they decided on for the film definitely what they were going for yeah and i'm like that's like a beautiful combination of the two okay i i have a point of reference it is called a sack back gown yes there we go hello ding 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 (laughs) keep the nerds off our backs (laughs) (laughs) and i feel so stupid because i like spent a lot of time in college learning all of these terms and then now when i need them Right. (laughs) They're just not there. (laughs) But yeah, you could definitely see like the reference to like just paintings of Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Maybe this isn't exactly what her dress looked like, but it's probably pretty damn close. Yes. Apparently it was completely silver and covered in diamonds. Of course. Of course. Because the French just couldn't do anything halfway at the time. (laughs) Um. Another very iconic aspect of Marie Antoinette that we really actually don't get to see in the film is her wigs. And Lena talked about just the creation of uh, Kirsten Dunst's Marie Antoinette a little bit. And NBC quotes her as saying, I got to take this counter age sort of story about a girl who is a, a fashion victim in a way. She starts out very young and innocent but we get to watch her grow through the movie. I started by throwing pieces of material at Kirsten to see what colors suited her best. I hardly used wigs because they weren't right for her. We thought that maybe we could have gone more crazy, but there was just not time. 
And she was like, she also talks about this in the Vogue article where she's like, it like the wigs just like didn't suit Kirsten Dunst. Right. Like they just weren't right for her and like the overall look they wanted for Kirsten Dunst as Marie Antoinette. But we do get this really incredible scene where she does wear a ridiculous wig. Right. We do get it a little bit. I get what Melina was saying. She's like, you know, it didn't always work because sometimes the environment around her was so crazy and over the top that she didn't always yes. need to be over the top herself. It, you know, it still got the point across. So got the point across. And I love the the wig maker in the movie. You get to see him a couple of times and he is like outrageous enough. It's like, okay, you understand like what's going on with her hair just by the virtue of how outrageous right. <laughs> the man doing her hair is. I love the scene where like it's her birthday and she's like falling into the candles and he just blows everything out. because yeah. He's like, hey, don't. Don't you dare mess up my piece of art. Right. <laughs> Watching this almost made me go and grab the wig from our episode of The Great. Almost. But it's also almost not. 100 degrees outside and I don't want my my head to yeah, set on no. fire. Yeah, no. We don't, we don't need a Marie Antoinette at her birthday moment. Um, uh, Odile Gilbert, though, who was the hair designer on Marie Antoinette, spoke to Vogue about you know, the whole process. He said, I wanted Marie's hair to be extravagant while still within the bounds of reality. I designed her hair through the lens that she's a young, rich kid without any sense of reality. So anything is possible. She goes through phases. So sometimes it was massive and sometimes she wears it down. I would say I designed around 30 looks, but didn't sketch anything. I would just start styling Kirsten's hair and Sophia would say, that's so cute. I love it. <laughs> it makes it sound so easy. <laughs> right? Know. There's no way it was that easy. <laughs> I, I love these like des like designers sometimes. They're like, oh, yeah, I just did a thing. Yeah. And it, it turned out fine. I'm just like, what? Did a Marie Antoinette look, but I didn't even have to write it down. <laughs> yeah. And we get lots of Marie Antoinette looks just within the first couple of days of her living at the castle. All very... Very, I want to say like Revolutionary War-esque because, again, this is reminding me of American Girl Dolls. But <laughs> it's very French Rococo. Lots of beautiful florals, light, fluffy colors, just, and everything is embellished to the nines. Yeah, there's a ruffle on everything. And if there's not a ruffle, there's a bow. If it's not a bow... There's I don't, <laughs> all sorts of stuff coming off flowers, feathers. I love the opening looks, though, because it is interesting when Marie gets there. She's really like playing the part. Yes. Um, she's trying to fit into all the rules, dress the way that she's supposed to dress. And it's not really until that she actually becomes queen where you see like the evolution of like simple, just kind of doing what she's supposed to and to just like full on punk revolution fashion show like every other scene so these yeah it's really fun to like now that i've seen the entire film go back to the beginning and just really see the evolution in her costumes absolutely absolutely and i love the scenes where her and louis are together because <laughs> like i feel like they low-key match a little bit yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time even though despite how like 
fantastical this film is like the historical accuracy is like top notch so <laughs> that's awesome usually you don't say that but what we watch <laughs> uh, usually i don't but they they really did a good job in this one um of making it fresh and accurate like at the same time um but i love how they low-key match all the time and they're just like really adorable together like not at all suited no. to be married to each other but i like that th like they just kind of respect each other <laughs> i was so hot and cold on louis i was like okay this guy definitely does not want to be here he kind of sucks oh. but then you're like oh like this isn't his fault either like this no. is just also a young guy who wants to stay home and play video games he really does not care <laughs> so, like i was really conflicted on him the entire time yeah he like really just wants to like hunt and like make keys and like that's all he really wants to do with his life like he doesn't care about the rest of it yeah they want him to stay up for the sunrise at one point he's like the only time i wake up that early is when i go hunting which by yeah. the way is every day so yeah <laughs> they have a lot in this movie i yeah. forgot about that yeah. <laughs> but we have oh my gosh she was like uh, she's hardly in the movie, but she's one of my favorite characters, An Madame Duberry. Yeah, and, she's so dope. <laughs> an absolute icon. It's, oh, I think, I hope I'm getting the this, I think she's the French mistress. There are a lot of French mistresses because it was an official title within the court. Oh, um, <laughs> that's sweet. That was actually one of Ranchwinette's problems is that Louis did not have an official mistress. <laughs> Yeah. So all criticism went to her. Um, anyway, <laughs> Madame Duberry, in real life, she was famous for having her nipples pierced and wore like low cut sheer tops. So people could see her like her um, the different uh, piercings she had for them. Like she would have like di like diamond encrusted like <laughs> swans and stuff. Okay. Um <laughs> And I'm like, I am writing all of this down <laughs> and I will be doing my own research after the podcast. <laughs> I was like, I, I know there was a French mistress who did that. And I'm like 90% sure it was her. Cause she was, uh, that's a very bold statement if it's not her. So if not, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to have a follow up conversation. <laughs> she was wild and everybody hated her cause they loved the last official mistress and she just like did not <laughs> stack up. She had big shoes to fill. <laughs> <laughs> she had to follow up Madame de Pompadour. So <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, yeah. So when you see Madame Duberry, um, her costumes are off the chain. She is. Uh, if I say off the chain one more time, please punish me. I cannot be saying off the chain or cool your jets anymore. <laughs> Anyways, um, she's giving me like. Alexander McQueen, when I see her, uh, just so much fabric. It's just beautiful. Yes. The colors are dark and gothic. She clearly does not fit in here. Everyone hates her, but they all hate to love her, too, because she always looks so good. And if she's rocking some diamond-encrusted nipple piercings underneath, too, I love her <laughs> even more. But Right, right. I, I need to fact check that one first, though. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, Elizabeth's live fact-checking it right now. Daniel, we need, like, some Jeopardy music or something. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do, 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 okay, we have to do this do, later. It may have been a different French mistress. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we man. will update on the Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I found an article, but it was very long. Um, okay, we'll do a follow up for you all next week. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Gosh, that was one of the things I meant to like look up before we did this podcast. And I completely forgot about it. It's all right. But like I anyway, said, I'm going to go to bed tonight and just do my own research. So we'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah, we'll figure it out together. Um, As did Asia Arganto, who played Madame de Berry and Lena Cananero. Uh, Arganto said to Vogue, I started to get an idea of who DeBerry was through working with Melina. We had meetings so she could study my face and body before I even met Sophia. <laughs> they wanted my character to look different from the rest of Versailles. She chose a lot of deep reds and purples for me compared to the pastels of all the other girls wear to show that DeBerry wasn't like them. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And Cananero says, also to Vogue, I dressed her like an exotic bird in contrast to the rather naive, innocent queen in waiting. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's the best way to put it. Like, just looking at her, you're like, okay, she does not belong here. I don't know who that person is, but she clearly did not get the dress code. No, no, she didn't. Well, she didn't have to. She was allowed to do whatever she wanted. Yeah. The king didn't care. The king loved it. <laughs> yeah. The king was like, yeah. <laughs> French mistress. Yes. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love because like, like, I mean, people wore jewelry at the time, but it wasn't it wasn't as big as it had been in the past to wear jewelry. And I love that she's just decked out in so much jewelry that perfectly matches every single outfit she has. Yeah, I mean, she knew what she was doing. She yeah. knew how to put a look together. It just really upset everyone the way that she did it. It just wasn't yeah. macaroon enough for them, honestly. No, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. But uh, unfortunately, neither her or the king were longed to stay at Versailles. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, after our break, are you ready to see Marie Antoinette, the Queen of France? Yeah, heads will roll. Eventually. <laughs> Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the Blogcast, here to let you know that if you wanted to support the show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome Tee Public merch with the Blogcast logo. We have shirts, sweaters, coffee mugs, stickers, and of course, a baby onesie. Thank you for all of your support. Our favorite activity. A ball. A ball. <laughs> Not just any ball. A mass ball. Uh, I love the scene. I think it was probably my favorite. 
I think it was my favorite, too, because it's just so fun. Everybody's having a good time, except for Louis, who got himself into a very awkward, cringy <laughs> conversation. Right. <laughs> but definitely her new friend, the Duchess, is having just the best time ever. And Rose Brin, who played her, said... For the Duchess, Cannonero had this intuitive understanding of what Sophia's interpretation of an 18th century party girl would look like. I wore a few costumes that Marisa Branson wore in Barry, London, which tickled me. Marisa was also once an it girl of her time. So would so to be wearing her costumes for Sophia's movie felt very special. So I feel like this is almost a first where it's like, oh, this amazing film with all these amazing costumes. Not everything was made for the film. Right. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved Rose's character, the Duchess. Uh, she was such a fun character. I know she was supposed to be like, maybe she's not a great influence all the time. But to me, she was just like a good time. She's a party and she always looked good. Her, her ball look in this like, Emerald green was so stunning on her. So stunning. And so was uh, Kirsten Dunst's all black look. Oh, yeah. Like, it really looks like she's like, I'm just going to escape out into the night. And she meets the most charming Swedish officer (laughs) who looks like he dressed up just to compliment her (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah he was a cool guy i love that look on him it's very you know official very uniform but something about just feels so like punk also you know like this is like a real yeah it's he's a real cool guy he smokes cigarettes after and yeah i don't know does cool stuff (laughs) Which, not saying smoking is cool, but, like, this is my vision. (laughs) As he rides a cigarette in his mouth as he rides off to battle. Yeah, on a Um, motorcycle. (laughs) But also, again, I felt like her and Louis matched a little bit. Like, (laughs) I feel like she's almost trying to be this really cute couple with him, and it just doesn't. It never works out. No, they're too goofy together, but like we love them for it. We do. Um, Marie's black costume is incredible. I love it. It's definitely one of my favorites. It's just so edgy and also Mm -hmm. like also just like very punk and unexpected. You see her come out of the carriage and we're so used to like all these balls we talk about on the podcast being very big and flashy. And maybe it's like bright yellow or, you know, hot pink. She came out in all black, and I was like, okay, like, yeah, you know how I feel about black. So I was very thrilled. Okay, Marie, get it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's definitely very like seductive and just like, I think this is the first time like she's really like enjoying herself and really just like getting out there and like, ooh, let me just go like mix and mingle with these people. Yeah, she just wants to put on a cool black outfit and go. This is essentially her way of going out clubbing. You know, she's like, I want to go out. I want to look good. I want to look hot and go out. Yeah, that's what she does. That's exactly (laughs) what she does. But uh, she doesn't get to do that for long because now she's got to be queen. Yeah, old daddy Louie got um, smallpox. It happens. Yeah. Yeah, Grant, Grandpa was not long for this world. Um, 
Uh, but she wears this beautiful white and gold gown. And it's just like, it's probably the most simple thing she wears, but it's striking. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's very, um, it's the colors are just so regal. Um, she looks very divine. Like she looks like this like goddess queen. She's here, an angel walking down this like dark blue carpet. It's just so stunning. It is very simple compared to everything she wears, which mm-hmm. doesn't really say much because most of the things she wears are very complicated. Yeah, um, It's incredible. I love this look. One of my tops also. One of the tops. One of the tops. Also, another iconic piece right after the coronation is her birthday. Like, again, like kind of simple, but beautiful feathers, beautiful flower applique there's just this like teal accent in the front and it's like even though it's simple she's still going all out yeah i love this look um this is also one of those looks that i recognize without even seeing the movie um beforehand it's like the simple white gown but has like the flowers um and like that red contrast feather in the hair. Mm-hmm. I just love that the way they contrast on her. Cause she always will do like, maybe like kind of like a muted color with like just very popping contrast on it, mm-hmm. you know, mixed with like the lipstick she has on. It's very striking and she looks amazing. This looks like a fun birthday. Right. Right. <laughs> just gamble and drink till the sun comes up. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. Um, also, when she finally has a baby, she's given this little country retreat. <laughs> uh, it's still on the palace grounds. So, right. <laughs> but it felt like a whole different world. Um, I went to the kitchen for a real quick second when her brother was, you know, hanging out with the elephant. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'll be right back. I walk into the kitchen, get myself my sandwich. When I come back out, she's in the countryside with a child. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why what? don't you use the pause button on your... Like, just pause the movie. Just pause the show, Spencer. I swear, it was all of 60 seconds. <laughs> I then paused, rewinded, because I was like, when does she have a kid? Yeah, she had a kid. That's crazy. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> And it's she's wearing, again, these, like, simple country looks, but they're filled with, like, frills and the fabric. It looks, like, plain at first, but it's got all these beautiful little embroideries on it and the panniers and the the ribbons she's wearing. And it's just all, it's all, like, she's playing out this, like, fantasy of being a farmer and it's like you're no farmer right that's how i felt the whole time i'm like is this like an act where she's just outside there's just like random lambs walking around and chickens i'm like what farm is this beautiful all the time it's the one marie antoinette built for herself in real life (laughs) but i love it though and i and our notes you include this uh, portrait of Marie Antoinette, which I'm very familiar with. We've all seen this portrait a thousand times, but like this is definitely the inspiration for this scene because Marie Antoinette did have like sometimes a simple side where she probably was playing this part like, oh, I'm a country girl today. Like I'm going to wear this huge hat with feathers, but I am also going to go pretend to work in the fields for a little bit. That's what this reminds me of. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like 
she wanted just kind of like a simple family life. Like that's kind of what she was raised with was a simple family life. But obviously as Queen of France, she was never going to get that. So it's like she was definitely just like running away to this little fake farm she had. And her fantasy continues when she decides to take up opera. (laughs) (laughs) I love this scene. I love this. It's so funny. It's so funny and awkward. This made me laugh so hard because, you know, obviously us knowing how the story Marie Antoinette ends, you're like, the world around her is fully falling apart. And she's like, listen to me sing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I love... I love her outfit. It's just this like, again, the baby blue skirt. But then this like, I feel like I like it's a very like Americana print corset. Right. Like this just like random, like pastoral scene in red and just so simple. And she really looks beautiful. But it's like, girl, not the time or place. (laughs) (laughs) this is again her idea of like oh what does a peasant dress like i'm sure they wear a little like chic corset with this baby blue Mm -hmm. and a little like hair moment and (laughs) like clearly very disconnected from reality which is why i love it like this very high fashion fantasy version of what she thinks a peasant would look like absolutely absolutely and it just continues She just continues to kind of like seem to just want this simple life. But like at right at the moment where she needs to be like paying attention and not doing stupid things like wearing pink wigs to greet the soldiers. (laughs) Oh, man, that look is one of my favorites with the hot pink wig. Oh, I guess it's more of a pastel pink wig with the Mm -hmm. pink outfit. The whole thing. I almost said this was my one costume world of them all, but it's not. But it's like very close. It's such a good one. It's very close. And it's again one of those iconic looks from the movie. And w- one thing that was so annoying about this film, it was really hard to get good pictures because this is like just as digital is like coming right <laughs> into the picture with film. So like most films were still shot on film. So it's like everything's like a little bit grainy and like a little like not great. And because it's like 2006, there's not a ton of images on it of it on the Internet. So I had a really hard time finding this this pink look of hers. But it's like it's such a good one. It's such a good one. I love it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we get another very iconic scene. And look from Marie Antoinette when uh, she is just wearing nothing but her socks and garters for the Swiss officer. Uh, um, yeah, this is a cool scene. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> Kristen Dunst looks so good in this scene. That's all I'm going to say. It's perfect. It is perfect. I, I was like, do <laughs> love the colors. I will say that from a costume point of view, like... That pink with, again, like that very like baby blue and a white, it it says a lot about like it became a costume with the fan. But yeah, other than that, I yeah, good scene. Very, very nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, Elizabeth fell over. (laughs) Um, 
Yes. Fantastic scene. Great costuming. <laughs> also. That's nice. <laughs> but no, it's that that scene of her with the fan, super iconic. Like we see a cropped version of that all the time in relationship to the movie. Like you don't get that whole picture, but you get to see like a cropped version of it a lot. Right. Also, a kind of iconic and just very punk look is the let them eat cake in the bathtub right like scene the Cruella the Vil moment I was like who yes. is this Vivian Westwood model telling us to eat cake right now because I will <laughs> yeah. if she's telling me to I will ma'am I'll do whatever you tell me to do <laughs> I do like cake <laughs> I know I love this just like evil Marie real it's all of like three seconds but they've got that like nearly black lipstick a pair of earrings and necklace that i think she's been wearing throughout the film but it's like this turn it's almost looks like a little tarnished or like black yeah and it's just like it like is such the opposite of everything we've seen so far it makes you jump for a second right it's it's evil antoinette it's scary <laughs> it is scary and then it just gets sad yeah it just gets sad this she loses really, her baby this really fell apart like really quickly Oof. yeah like overnight she there's a good portion of the f the end of the film a lot of it she's just wearing black she's just in mourning she, it's like she's starting to understand her role right when she's about to lose it. <laughs> yeah, a little late on that, Marie. Um, you know how I love a funeral look. Her grieving black veiled look. I mean, I know we're supposed to be mourning a... <laughs> but she looks so good. <laughs> yeah, she she is mourning her child, but she is looking good doing it. Yeah, it, it's the hat with the veil. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what that's what makes that look. It's so good. Also, her I couldn't keep my eyes off her. No, and then her nightgown look, exquisite. Like it was so simple, and like the way it moved with her when she's like bowing down on the balcony beautiful yeah and i like it too because it's almost like she's accepted her fate at this point she's like well we really screwed it <laughs> this job yeah. um so she goes out there in this nightgown and she has it's like a little bit of like the old marie where it has like still like these like little pops of color in it it's hard to tell because there's people with pitchforks and torches literally but if you <laughs> look closely you can see like little pops of color that feels very marie it's like she's gonna go out swinging in her favorite nightgown she is she is but that is all marie leaves versailles never to return again no things don't really end well for her and her husband no. or a bunch no. of people really yeah her daughter was the only one that made it out yeah i believe they call it uh, the reign of terror yeah <laughs> Good times. Uh, <laughs> but what was not terrifying was all the costumes in this film. There's so many good ones. I'm very excited to play our favorite game, Elizabeth. Yes. Daniel, hit it. The one costume to rule them all. Spencer, what was your one costume to rule them all? I was very torn on this one. I was really leaning toward that all pink look 
and also that all blue look from the beginning. But to me, I just felt like that black look she wears to the ball, the Marie badass Antoinette look, the <laughs> Marie the Punisher Antoinette look. <laughs> it's so badass with like the black um, covering her eyes. It's very like Alexander McQueen, Vivian Westwood. Yes. It's just so edgy. And it's just not what you're expecting. Um, you're thinking like maybe like a more historical, accurate period moment where she would obviously be wearing something, I don't know, blue or yellow or pink. She chose black. And that was very rock and roll. And that's just, you know, that I love that as an aesthetic. So definitely my favorite. Easy. I do love that. Yeah, this is like, that is probably the least historically accurate piece in this film. And I love it too, because it, it really says everything like Sofia Coppola wanted right. to say with this movie that like, this was just a young woman trying to enjoy her life and who didn't really know any better because she wasn't expected to. Right. It was a very bold choice, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Similarly, my one costume to rule them all was the baby blue French outfit she is put into when she arrives in France because it's just like it's iconic. It's it says everything you need to know about her innocence and like just kind of like, oh, like this is someone who was very unprepared for what was about to happen to her. Right. <laughs> it's so beautiful, though. It gives me, like, you know, obviously it's very French. It reminds me of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire when yes. Flora Delacour shows up, you know, in the blue and the hats. It's very chic. It's very, very chic and proper, but also still, like, fashion forward, too. Absolutely. And with that, we are at the end. Elizabeth, what are we watching next week? Ooh, next week, Spencer, we are watching The White Lotus. Ooh, finally, we're going on a little vacation. Yeah, it's hot girl summer vacation week to a beautiful <laughs> Hawaiian island at the resort of The White Lotus. And Jennifer Coolidge is going to be there, so I'm ready. My gosh, I can't wait to just talk about Jennifer Coolidge the whole time. That's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do is talk about Jennifer Coolidge the entire show. And Sydney Sweeney. I have a real crush on oh, Sydney yeah. Sweeney. I, I hadn't seen her in anything because I don't, I've never watched um, Euphoria. <sighs> but she's amazing. Yeah. She's I amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. If you loved this episode, Make sure you hit up our voicemail number, 626-515-1826. If you, you know, maybe don't want to leave a voicemail, you can also just hit us up at the Art of Costume pod on Instagram, TikTok at the Art of Costume. Uh, you can follow our Patreon and hear our voices just like an extra time every month at patreon.com slash the Art of Costume. Uh, if you want a little, like, merch, you can head to theartofcosting.com slash podstore. Get a tote bag. Get a t-shirt. Put your baby in a onesie of ours. <laughs> you want to raise them right, don't you? <laughs> raise your children correct, because one day they could end up the queen of another country, and things could go yeah. wrong for them. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> 
Give them an appreciation for costume design so that they avoid these mistakes. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail at 626-515-1826. Tell, tell me why that black look that Marie wears is the one costume to rule them all. Yeah. Let me know why the baby blue number is the one costume to rule them all. And if you just love the pod overall, please leave us a little five-star text review on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. It really helps us out. Everybody, have a magical hot girl summer week. <laughs> Au revoir, my friends. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash theartofcostume for some bonus content. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. From her marriage to the French Dauphine Louis at 14, to and their rise to the throne at 19, Marie Antoinette is a modern retelling of France's most iconic, the ill-fated queen. Um, I left the two in there by accident. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I read it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, one more time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we should just pack it up. <laughs>